Welcome to Cryptids of the Corn. Each week, Justin and Jay take a look at a topic in the crypto and paranormal world. They focus on the Midwest and Appalachia of the U.S., but sometimes they venture out. With everything from well-known monster sightings to one-off cryptids, live person interviews to actual fieldwork sneaking in some science lessons, there's sure to be something you'll enjoy. Please join us this episode of Cryptids of the Corn. Welcome back to this megalanius themed episode. Oh. I'm the great and powerful mystery. <laughs> and I'm interdimensional uh, space cadet Jay. I don't know. And together we are Crypts the Corn Podcast. <laughs> We're scientific and magical. 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 Imaginical. Ma- magical thinking. <laughs> I haven't even started... I'm still on Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I had a work meeting today for everybody at home. So it was like. Was it imaginical? No, it was just stuff we needed to work on and stuff oh, okay. like that. Nothing bad. Just like but a lot of like the droning of yeah. doing a work meeting. Yeah. The boring stuff. But uh, so this is a really special episode because uh, this is something that I've known about for a long time, mm-hmm. but it's not very popular in the cryptid community. And I don't really know why. Um, but yeah, so, ooh, I might have turned myself up too loud. What do I sound like to you? You sound fine. Okay. It's really loud in my headset, but that's fine. All right. Sorry, guys. I messed with the buttons last night. We had our, uh, a live stream kind of deal with a hide seek archives and a bunch of other cool guys go to the Facebook page just on there. It was fun. Good time. Yeah. So I changed the buttons a little bit. Uh Uh-oh. So putting them back. But yeah, so our good friend, who was it? Lisa Ann. Lisa, or, sorry, Leslie Ann. Leslie Ann. Oh my gosh. And I'm the one that wrote it down. I know. But Leslie, uh, during a Cryptids and Coffee, asked about Megalania. Yep. Which, for anybody at home, we're going to have a very in depth discussion what Megalania is. Uh, but it's a very uh, kind of not talked about cryptid. It's not just a cryptid, it was a, bio- a biological animal that we knew existed. We have both fossils and bones, and footprints. And footprints of this creature. Uh, it's, a, it's a 25 foot Komodo dragon. Uh, it's in the same uh, genus, which so that's one step up from the actual species. Okay, it was genus then species, then phylum and class. No, and... That's the other way. Oh, sorry, that's getting bigger. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So this isn't talked about really much in cryptid circles, even in Australia. Cryptid pages. I'm on a couple for stuff like the Yowie and the Bunyip and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Which the Bunyip we'll talk about later. <laughs> okay, just keep it under wraps right now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, which are well-known cryptids, uh, they actually even had a Bunyip skull, which we'll do an episode on Bunyip, in 1980-something. I have no idea. I only know Bunyins. Mm. Bunyip is such a weird creature, because it has so many different descriptions. It's like it's like a collect-all name. Okay, gotcha. Uh, but the Megalania went extinct roughly 25,000 years ago. Okay. Aborigines, which are the native Australians, mm-hmm. uh moved onto the continent roughly 40,000 years ago. Okay. So there's a big there's a big uh, overlap with there was definitely Megalania when there was Aborigines. Aborigines. Gotcha. All right, but before we get into the meat of this episode, we got our front of house stuff. Uh once again Patreon, we're always adding up new stuff. Um most of that content is Patreon members picked. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and Patreon members also get exclusive voting rights for uh, depending on what level you pick for the main page. Uh, we're going to start doing giveaways on Patreon, yep. uh, Patreon exclusive T-shirts, stuff like that. And we already did one Patreon meet and greet kind of thing. Uh, we've done two, two, two now. Andrew, oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and yeah, true. Well, and Rachel and Sean. Andrew drove and met us. I mean, <laughs> same yeah. difference, I guess. Yeah, we but we poured the drinks. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so our members currently are Nick. Hi, Nick. He's Nick from America Scaryland. He basically paid for his own advertising. <laughs> uh, Rachel, Sean, Andrew, and Ralph. Thank and you, guys. We, yeah, and Ralph just sent us... Th- this will come out in a couple weeks, so the time travel with podcasting is weird. Oh, yeah. But Ralph, on the day that we're recording this, the day before, he sent us an amazing care package with all kinds of cool goodies and... Cookies and cornbread. So thank you again, Ralph. We appreciate it. Yeah, big time. Good luck with your bird surveys. Turn that off. Did it just go off? It buzzed. That's the first case of beer. Uh-oh. Anyways. Uh, so t-shirts. T-shirts are for sale right now. We have our five arts of the uh, season one. So the Frogman, Bigfoot, Dogman, Sinkhole Sam, and the Atmospheric Jelly. Yep. Uh, if you want it, the, either email or Facebook is the easiest way to get a hold of that. Um, I just talked to a guy about doing a website today, so we'll see about how that comes. Ooh, I'm always doing stuff behind the scenes. Yeah, this is new, this is news to me. Breaking mm-hmm. news. Um, up and coming shows. Make sure you go to the Facebook page. Uh, Bigfoot and Brews. We're doing a giveaway. Uh, the rules and stuff will be on the Facebook page. Get on there. We're giving away two free tickets to that event. Big deal. And that is a very uh, selective event. By that I mean it's a very small number of tickets being sold. Mm-hmm. So this isn't. Just 225, right? 225 or 250, I think he yeah. said at max. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get a, a very personal like evening with a lot of these high-end speakers, high-end vendors. Like uh, I know Ron Moorhead's the big guy, but there's mm-hmm. a, uh, James Lady. Uh, yep. And then a couple other really high-end people, including us. Yeah. That you, you know, I'm excited for that because it's going to be, it's going to be very different than most conferences. But I love how normal conferences are, but I'm also going to love how this one is. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking really looking forward to it. Yeah, because it's just, it's very different. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, you know, we had, oh, how big, I bet you we had 250 people pass us in a half hour. Right. But we can only say three things to each person. And, you know, you just can't get that intimate level. Right. Here, here's a contact card if you have a story kind mm-hmm. of deal. Mm-hmm. At this event, we'll be able to, you know, sit down. And actually record stories. And I, yeah, actually have conversations mm-hmm. with people, which I'm looking forward to, especially if it's in a brewery. Mm-hmm. Our next event, which when this comes out, should be the week after this event, is the Michigan Bigfoot Conference. That's another great one. Uh, Hide and Seek Archives puts that one on. Mm-hmm. Josh. Josh, he's a great guy. He's going to be on the show after the conference. I got confirmation from him, Woo-hoo. which he's just so busy. And I completely understand well, yeah. yeah. Once the conference is over, you know, I'm sure he'll have a lot more free time. Mm-hmm. But he's his own researcher. He does all kinds of uh, actual field stuff. Um, but yeah, so then we have the Bigfoot and Bruce after that, and then it's the Southwest for, or Southwest Virginia Bigfoot and Friends Festival. That's in September, right? Yeah, that's a, we have three in September, one in October, and one in November. Whew. So yeah, you can find all these on the Facebook page. Just go to the Facebook page. It's the easiest way. Like us, if you don't like, like us, yes. share, subscribe. Smash that share button. Leave us a rate. Oh, yeah, rate and review. Mm-hmm. All right, this beginning's already been too long. Okay. Uh, Let's get into Mr. Megalania. Megalania. So, 
It's Varanus parasis. <laughs> okay. That's the scientific name. Okay. It's an extinct species of giant monitor lizard, part of the mangafauna assemblage that it used to inhabit Australia during the Pleistocene. It is the largest terrestrial lizard to ever be to ever have known to be or to exist. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I even wrote this. Uh Reaching estimated lengths of 3.5 to 7 meters to us uh, you, uh, Americans, us winners. That's five, or that's 11 feet to 23 feet. There you go. But there are some people that estimate they may have reached 40 feet. Oh, man. Uh, if you remind, well, I can tell you why now. Basically, some of these skeletons we only have vertebra for. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of vertebra. So they just scaled it up? Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of hard to tell how big they were. So there's conservative and very embellished estimations. Mm-hmm. So we do the same thing with Megalodon. Like people say Megalodon was a 60 to 70 foot shark. That is it, the high end estimations. Is that just based off a tooth they found or they, something? Jaws and teeth. Jaws yes. and teeth, okay. That's the only hard part of a shark. Ah, that's right. Rest uh, is cartilage. Mm-hmm. So it's that's the higher end estimate. And then the 40 to 45 feet is the more conservative estimate, which is what you can see is probably most of your Megalodon population was that size. Mm-hmm. And then your upper size would be your freaks. Gotcha. So that's like uh, the genetic freaks. Yeah, or Big Blue, which is like uh, the biggest great white shark alive today. Mm-hmm. She is just old and big and strong and healthy. Mm-hmm. So she's made it through most of what eats great white sharks, and she's above that level. Oh, okay. So she's pretty safe. Yeah, it's hard to. It's gonna be hard to eat her. Big Blue. Mm-hmm. But okay, so estimated weights, uh, two hundred fourteen pounds is the lowest one we have, uh, but. They're a big guy. He's four and a half thousand pounds. That's quite the size. That is a hippopotamus. That's like a semi truck. That is a hippopotamus. Yeah. So next time you go to one of the zoos, they have a hippo, an adult hippo, not the babies. Put Imagine it, that as a really angry lizard. Lizard, yeah. <laughs> like a whip tail lizard mm-hmm. or something. Oh, we don't have to whip you with a tail. Oh, okay. I don't think there was much Megalania was scared of. Hmm. I don't think he was scared of the people at the time. Uh, Megalania is thought to be similar in the, the ecological role of Komodo dragons, which is the only uh, surviving member in their direct uh, genus, so it's a family group. Uh, the youngest fossil remains of these giant liver- lizards date back to Australia around 50,000 years ago, and they were thought to go extinct 25,000 years ago. Okay. So not a super old yeah, species. Yeah, I was going to say, relatively, that's and not that, that when old. When we talk about Komodo dragons and Megalania later, that that's a big push to why the, me and you talked off air about yeah uh that why people think that may be the real option is if you take we'll, we'll get into that later all right right because that's an exciting we'll bit. peel that back if you can't tell this is an episode i'm pretty well versed in <laughs> you don't say huh mm-hmm. so good pick good pick leslie <laughs> um just a, a side note it is hypothesized that uh, megalina was venomous also uh i say also because kimono Come dragons yep. are currently venomous okay uh they used to think they had just a really nasty bacterial bite, which they do, uh, but they actually have free-flowing venom glands. Oh, wow, okay. And the only reason it took this much time of arguing and figuring it out is because they're further back on their throat than most other venomous snakes. Hmm. Which The glands are? Yeah. Okay. So the snake's glands are in their heads, so people weren't looking for venom glands in the throat. Right, yeah. Uh, but their monitor lizards are not snakes, and these, especially older biologists really had a, long, a hard time come to terms with that okay well like they're completely from separate origins i guess they monitor lizards are not 
far, far off from snakes, is, mm-hmm. but they're not any closer than any other lizard. Okay, gotcha. Uh, they did separate modern lizards and snakes have a similar lineage. How did no one, like, dissect one at one They point? did. They didn't know what they were. Gotcha. Th- okay. These these were uh, thought to be saliva glands. Oh, okay. For Makes the, sense. For di- digesting. Because little dragons eat everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll rip off large chunks of meat, but they'll eat bone, tenant, stuff like that. Dang. So saltwater crocodiles, for example, do the same thing, mm-hmm. uh, but they produce a lot of acid. Okay, to dissolve yeah. or digest everything. Yep. So they were thinking that it was these glands to help... Uh, Get through that. Right, right. Makes the, sense. Because uh, they're not, yeah, cro- crocodiles and lizards are very distant. And they, what they do, they milk one and find it? Like, the no, milk it's just, uh, like a snake? People were arguing about it, especially, I think it was like 02 to 2010 is like when the arguments about this in most fields of uh, herpetology. Okay. Uh, because they're like, oh, these are venom glands. And they were just like, no, monitor lizards don't have venom glands. Turns out a lot of them do. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's very probable that Megalania was. Uh, venomous. Gotcha. Okay. So what, how Komodo dragons use it is they basically, uh, before we got to the islands of Komodo and Indonesia and stuff, there was pygmy elephants. And that was their favorite prey. Dang. And they would just run up, bite them, and back off. And let them, let the venom do its mm-hmm. thing. Because even if there was prey they could eat and, die, and pull down and die and kill, it's a lot more energy, you know, use. Mm-hmm. They really just bite and let you walk. And they will always be behind you. Yeah. And they won't get any closer to you until you're really weak. But they got to keep you walking. Oh, for it to run its yep. course. Gotcha. Okay. So you'll see them like walking behind cows, not chasing cows. Yeah. But now they'll like walk and kind of follow them, keep moving. Keep moving, yeah. Keep moving. Hmm. Uh, any questions so far? Um, so far, no. It's pretty straightforward. It's a big... It's, it's a big... very muscular... Everybody at home, if you haven't, look mm-hmm. up a picture of Komodo Dragon, or you can look up a picture of Megalania. Mm-hmm. We have really, really good molds of what... They're just big Komodo dragons. Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like a giant lizard that lives in Australia. Bad attitude. We'll get to that. Okay. Didn't know about his personality yet. Bad attitude. Okay. Wasn't scared of much. Why would you be? I wouldn't, you know, when you're (laughs) a venomous lizard the size of a Mack truck. Yeah. What's there to be scared of? Weather? I guess, yeah, it's Australia. (laughs) Yeah, that's about it. I don't know. I don't think anybody's on the top of the food chain in Australia. No. Uh Uh-uh. I don't care how big and bad you think you are, Bunyip will get you. <laughs> Bunyip. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm going to read you. So we're going to get into the Aborigines, what they said about the Megalania. Okay. Um, but yeah, so Megalania, according to the legends, his name is section. In many Aborigines stories, they have uh, they have been handed down through oral record in cave paintings that have been discovered. They suggest that these reptiles were capable of bringing in fire and destruction along with them. So we talked about that on the live stream yesterday with Thunderbirds and stuff. Be pulling in, said to be pulling in storms because that's what they observed. Right. Australia is very prone to for, or, uh, wildfires. Okay. If there's a wildfire behind you, you're going to be moving. True, yeah. So even though you're just the biggest thing running away from the fire, you're still running away from the fire. Kind of like you talked about, I don't know if that was on air or not, or an episode about fire salamanders, how they got Right. Yes, I'm sure I've said that on air several times. Yeah. Same thing. That it's just a coincidence they happen to be running away from fire. Exactly. And they're like, oh my gosh, that dragon brought in the fire yeah. to kill us all. Look at it falling behind it. Yeah, and now he's like, no, I'm getting the hell out of here, too. <laughs> you guys got better go, too. Like, what are you guys standing around here for? Looking at me. There's a volcano erupting. Get moving. Right, yeah. Trying but, to spear him. Yeah. The Aborigine, well, we'll get to what the Aborigines did with the Megalania. It's one of the few animals they did not mess with. Okay. Because it was not worth it. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, these are not easy to kill. 
<laughs> Doesn't sound like it. Uh, even Komodo dragons are not easy to kill. Oh, really? Mm. Um, but yeah. So uh, uh, additionally, so yeah, additionally, their ability to bring in fire and cause destruction. Uh, fossils of these creatures suggest that they were not purely terrestrial creatures. They most likely had, uh, they were partially aquatic. They spent a good chunk of time in the water as well as in the land and the desert. Okay. That may sound weird. It's not. Almost every living monitor lizard is like that. Okay. So I don't really get why that was a big speculation, whoop de doo Yeah. If everybody else in the family... Does it? It's not that odd. Yeah, it's, it's not a big one. Not that so, breaking of news. A Komodo dragons, they swim island to island. They swim in, or in, the, in the ocean and stuff. They swim very far, long distances. Oh, I, see that? I did not know. Komodo dragons are very powerful swimmers. Hmm. All monitor lizards are... Pretty good swimmers? Pretty good swimmers. They're not like those one lizards that run on top of the water? Bastless lizards, and no. Oh, okay. Also known as Jesus Christ lizards. Yep. Because they walk in water. Yep, I've seen it. We just seen one at the zoo when I took William up. Oh, really? They had a bascular in a big water exhibit. Oh, nice. So where was I? Now you got me all thrown around. <laughs> Uh, the thought is that uh, the Aborigines uh, tales that speak of Mag- Megalania, uh, oh, there are many Megalania, are there many Aborigine tales that speak of Mag- Megalania heading into the ocean. That's where I was going with it. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so here's a really fun story. And before I tell you how old the story is, so the cool thing about Aborigines, they have the oldest written and oral history on the planet. That's awesome. They took the best care of cave paintings. Uh, they took the best care of oral traditions of any group ever on the planet that we know about. Hmm. And they're still able to read their stuff. There's a really good documentary about the Aborigines on uh, YouTube. They're very cool, down-to-nature people. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. They remind me of the Native Americans, but like times 10 of respecting nature and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Aborigines didn't have many wars from when I was seeing. I didn't do a big Aborigine search, Mm -hmm. but they don't seem to... It didn't seem to happen a lot. And I, yeah, not that I'm aware of. I don't. I think they had a lot of other stuff to worry about. Like we talked about people with aliens. Yeah. That once aliens get here, people are not going to see color anymore. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to have my band is together. Okay. So here's a really cool story. So the story claims that on one stormy day, a megalania or a log lizard, they're, we're just going with megalania. So the megalania okay. happened to wander along the beach and look out towards the ocean. It was witnessed by the whole tribe. Uh, it, it wasn't uncommon for these tribes to follow the Megalania around to make sure it left. Gotcha, so it yeah. come back at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. So, as it looked out to the ocean, it began to swim out into the ocean. While it was in the ocean, it was attacked by the great white shark. Uh, these two creatures began to fight and struggle with each other, sinking down. After a while, the Megalania was able to overcome the shark, drag its carcass back onto the shore, and then uh, eat, you know, eat the great white shark. Mm-hmm. The Aborigines waited for the Megalania to leave, and then took what they wanted from the carcass after. Dang! How old is this story? Um, five thousand years. I don't know. My shot in the dark. Less than two hundred years. Oh wow! So they didn't go extinct. 25,000 years ago, whatever they said. Well, according to the Aborigines. So we're talking about a culture that used time a little differently. Mm-hmm. So they say it's roughly X generations back. Mm-hmm. But who knows if they dropped to zero or not. Oh, gotcha. Okay. You know, instead of 20 generations or 10 generations, it's 100 generations. Right, yeah. It's hard to say then, mm-hmm. huh? But yeah. So th- yeah, this story basically took place in the 1800s. Right. Uh, but yeah, they... They still see it. Well, we won't say that, but Aborigines talk about them like every... 
Aborigines talk about stuff uh, like giant wombats. Yeah. Were the size of cows. And they were mean. They had an attitude with them. And they talk about those as spirits because they're not here anymore. Mm-hmm. But they talk about the Megalania as, as other creatures. Still here, Like a yeah. creature. Like they're just rare. They're right. there, but... You don't want to run into yeah, it. Yeah, you don't want to see it. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about now... Anything about the Aborigines and the Megalania? Well, I know like Aborigines, they always... They're really in tune with, like you said, with nature and with spirits and stuff. They're like some of their traditions are about like these little ghostly like spirits that kind of help them and guide them do do things and hunt and things and harvest. A weird thing about Australia is it's got hundreds, if not thousands, of tales of the thing that we call the Will of the Wisp. Mm, yeah, it's like a tall white like uh, ghostly thing. Guys, it's like a, a ghost lanterns is what they're called in Australia. Yeah. Yep, yep. There you go. That's a good. Yeah, it's. A lot of cool stories with those, and just hearing them. If you actually find like a the documentary of them talking about it, it's pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. Aborigines are really cool people. Mm-hmm. They are. They're really neat. And like I said, like when they do their, uh, they'll say, "Oh shoot, I could talk about when how they make their didgeridoos and stuff like that." It's pretty cool. Like nature creates that instrument for them when mm-hmm. they play it, and then they do this party like at night around the. That's what I call it, a party, but they go around the fire. One guy will be playing the didgeridoo, and then they'll all do in like their ritual dances. Which is just imitating the animals around them and the animals they want to hunt, stuff like that. It's pretty cool. The Aborigines are, once again, a very neat. unique, neat people. Mm-hmm. But, yep, that's that's about all I got there. All right. So, we're going to talk about modern Megalania sightings. Okay. All right. So, despite these stories and supposed sightings, however, most cryptozoologists do not recognize the Megalania as still being alive. Most believe it died out mm-hmm. uh, in the Ice Age, along with. Pretty much every other terrifying Australian creature. Right, yeah, they all are. Uh, there was a lot of scary giant marsupials and mean things, like trilocines and, like, uh, what was the other one? They're in Ark, the, the big thing that hangs from the trees that looks like a lion. Oh, like a, no, wait. Thyacolia. Yeah, yeah. Thyacolia. Yeah. The saber-toothed, or the, the, the axe-toothed cat, even though it's a marsupial. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm didn't know that i thought mm-hmm. it was just like a big saber tooth no looking thing. axe tooth cat interesting because it had four giant incisors that were its whole jaw and so it bit more like a turtle oh okay nasty oh so despite this experts believe that some of the stories of the giant li- lizard attacks are much more likely komodo dragons mm. or other giant monitor lizards there are a bunch of monitor lizards in australia yeah um but we're going to talk about komodo dragons in australia later because they, they comes up in these articles a lot that mm-hmm. they blame the Komodo dragon. Not native. Not even native to Australia? Not native to Australia. At all? In any historical map I could find, which we're going to have a whole big section about the Komodo dragon. Yeah. No. Interesting. So when you keep hearing me say Komodo dragon, it's weird. Yeah, true. It's like people saying, oh, Bigfoot doesn't exist. Those are all dog, man. I understand what you're saying. It's like, what? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you sure or, there? Like if you see think a, about this. You seen a hippo swimming in Lake Erie, and you're like, "No, it's not a hippo. That's an elephant." What are you looking at? Why? Right, right. Well, yeah, it don't matter. Neither of them supposed to be. Yeah, here. yeah. I understand. That's, okay, that's the that was my point. I kept reading that. I'm like, so I went and looked up, and I found up to like the 1600s. They're, they're not there. They're not in Australia. Interesting. All right, so uh, still, it remains a, a significant number of Australians who believe that the Megalania still exists. And it's just as deadly as it was some 25,000 years ago. These stories, along with locals, uh, locals suggest that the Megalania may not be confirmed to be Australian alone. 
One story of a French priest traveling to New Guinea in the 1960s suggests that maybe Melania existence may be much, uh, much more of a farther reach than most paleontologists believed. Mm. So there continues to be much debate over the possibility of Melania surviving into modern times, uh, though several theories propose that this species could have survived undetected. Interesting. So there's, I've got actual stories for you here in a second. Okay. But this is a weird fight. There's not many people that are backing a dog in this either way when we're talking about the scientific field or as, the cryptozoology field. As far as a megalania being around? Real or not. Real or not. I mean, as or in still existing. still existing or not. Okay. This is one that even cryptozoology and most mainstream scientists kind of leaves alone. wonder why that is. It's, I don't know. I don't, I don't really ever remember hearing about it in any of our travels yet. Mm-hmm. It's just one that's weird. All right. So I got stories for you if you're ready. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So these are all modern stories. I got dates for them. Okay. How modern do you think I get? Oh, I already know the answer to that because you told me. Right? I, that one was a lie. That was a little exaggerated. <laughs> one day? No, uh, one year. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it's seen about four or five times a year. Okay. Uh, and we'll talk about Australia itself in a way that may be more prevalent because... Okay. Australia, people don't realize how big it is and how much space that people do not live in. Right, yeah. It's pretty barren out there, ain't it? It's not just barren. We'll, we'll talk about it. As far as people. As far as people. Yes. Very small population for a massive continent. Australia is not just a country. It is a continent. It's a giant island continent. Mm-hmm. All right, so giant lizard of Eura. I think that's how it's pronounced. Okay. In, 19, or in 1890, there was apparently several sightings of a large reptile, supposedly uh, lizard, that terrorized the town of Eura, Australia. There have been many eyewitnesses that claim they saw a very large lizard uh, right, er, raiding farms and killing livestock, which include cattle. The, uh, consist, or the consensus among all the eyewitnesses that the creature was at least 30 feet long and had a very intimidating structure. Very bulky, very big, yeah. which Megalania was. Okay. It was not a thin little lizard. It was built more like a pit bull. Like a muscular... Oh, okay. That's uh, a good visual. Yeah. Uh, they... We're scary to look at. Yeah. Um, so the French priest in New Guinea, which I mentioned earlier, I have his story. The 1960s. Oh, wow. A French priest reportedly uh, ventured into the wilds of New Guinea with a native to spread the teachings of Christianity. While traveling on the river, he spotted a giant lizard laying on, the, uh, laying on a falling tree basking. He asked the native tour guide to stop, but being frightened, the guide continued past the creature with great haste. The curious priest returned to the site the next morning and measured the tree. He was shocked the tree was 40 feet in length, and the lizard had been the almost identical length. Mm. Oh, that priest, or the, the Tory is like, nope. No. <laughs> yeah, nope. That's the cow eater. <laughs> exactly. Let's get the heck out of here. Huh. Um, you said it was basking. Are, men, are, the, are lizards, uh, are minor lizards, megalania, are they cold-blooded? Yeah, they're reptiles. Okay. Uh, as far as I know, they're all reptiles are cold-blooded. Okay. I don't really have any weird eyeballs. I only say that because some fish, there's a handful of fish that are warm-blooded. Of course. Which are super, it's super weird. Yeah. It's super weird. It shouldn't happen. Just curious. They're not fish anymore, in my opinion. Ah. That's one of the key traits. It's a water bear. It's more like an amphibian. Oh, not even an amphibian. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. It shouldn't happen. Okay. Leave it there. But yeah, so... And this is, you know, a white person seeing it in Papua New Guinea. 
or no, just New Guinea. Sorry, Papua New Guinea is somewhere else in the world. I think. I think it's it's an elder parent or elder country. I'm Pop, not good with geology. Papa, oh. I don't know. I'm making right. it up. So Norm, or Normandy Range sighting in 1968. Uh, there are stories of soldiers who came forward to report the sightings of what appeared to be a Megalanian track during their training exercises. Uh, he, so he and his unit uh, completed in the Normandy Range area in 1968. Part of the training exercise required them to traverse through the perilous sections of swamp area. While hiking through the swamp, they found drag marks that eventually led to a carcass of a cow. The cow had been being killed somewhere else and dragged here and appeared to be have dragged a considerable distance hmm. uh, before being voraciously torn apart. This thing was... Shredded. Yeah. Which is the thing Komodo dragons do. They like to get to the guts first. Okay. And they will make a mess. Just to get there. Yeah. There's a nasty video I could show you about Komodo dragons uh, where basically it's eating this... Uh, this type of antelope and it gives birth while it's tearing this antelope apart the antelope gives birth the baby's like meh the Komodo dragon stops after it hears it oh no walks right over to the baby gently picks it up and swallows it whole because it was easier to eat and oh it goes my back to tearing the mom apart while she's still alive oh my gosh they are very they Ruthless. do not wait yeah oh my gosh yeah violent little creature not, not little, little, but... Even Komodo dragons are little. Yeah, yeah. Violent creature, sorry. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so they... Yeah, the cow been torn apart, you know, just pieces. After a quick search, the unit found lizard tracks that were nearly two foot in size and tail markings that appeared to come from... Oh, next page. From a <laughs> reptile. Uh, oh my gosh. That Professional was funny. Podcaster. That was funny. Uh, they hastily left the area and it appeared the cow had not been there for long. Uh, the oh. cow was, the blood was fresh. It was not there So it just long. happened. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if it, and what's, I mean, it's the 60s. They probably didn't have it. But to test, like, a, if it had, like, a poison in it or something. You know? Venom. Venom in it, yeah. Sorry. Uh, so venom dissipates just, venom dissolves very quickly after. It's oh. weird. Venom cannot be in the system sometimes. Uh, like, I know with some snakes especially, we look for more of what it does to the body hmm, versus actually finding the venom. Okay. Like, that's why you can drink most venoms and not have a problem with it. Right, because that's not poison. Right. Good job. Yep, I learned something. Yeah, but venom is very biologically volatile. So it's very biological. It's also very structurally weak. Hmm. Uh, so when you drink it, your stomach acid you can normally very Handle easily it. overpower it yeah. and turn it down to nothing. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I bet the burps smell, though. It's a very... Venom is such <laughs> a weird compound. I have no idea. I have... It's a very weird thing. Depending on the venom, too, and if it's neurotoxin or, you know, it just, there's a lot of factors. Mm -hmm. All right. What did you think about that one with the, the the army personnel? I mean, it seems it makes it credible. That one's in a newspaper, too. Okay. Okay. It lends so credibility. I didn't have their names, but there is names attached to it, which, like we talked about in the show, I enjoy the stories when there's more people you can look at and point mm -hmm. at. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because it's just to me, when it's a blankless, faceless person, I could say that that story, I could make up that story. I, you guys don't know at home. Right, exactly. I you could, could paint a face in your hand and talk. And this is who's seen it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, it's just, I like it when you like, it was Sir Reginald, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, just, it gives it credibility and it makes it just more, and you're not just telling campfire stories at right. this point. Yes, there you go. That's that's probably a better way to put it. Yeah. It brings it more into a actual field of science versus campfire stories. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Thank you. I knew you did something on this show. Sometimes. 
Uh, so the tracks in <laughs> Mori. I'm gonna go Mori. Mori. Yeah, Mori, right. Australia. Uh, Australian towns have some weird names. Well, it's because they're Australian. It's from down under. Mm. The white Australians. <laughs> what? The white Australians are the ones that named all these towns. The oh, Aborigines okay. are just. No, yeah, they didn't name in that this stuff. The Aborigines did the smart thing when the white people showed up. It's the people who spent too much time out in the sun too long, and then they're making up names for yeah, towns and the, whatnot. The, the Aborigines did the smart thing when the white white people showed up. Yeah, they moved. Go out in the desert. Yeah, exactly. And then told them that uh, the bunyip would get them. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so tracks in uh, Maori. In the winter of 1979, the farmer in Maori, Australia, reported uh, the sights of a giant lizard he believed to be at least 20 feet in length. Upon investigation, he found tracks that had been left uh, behind. He called Roy Galroy, a cryptozoologist dedicated to exploring the unexplained in Australia, and he had him investigate. Many of the tracks were damaged or lost, but Gilroy was able to make a mold of one of these tracks that was still intact. Hmm. Many years later, in the winter of 2008, Gilroy was able to find another site of tracks. These tracks were about 185 miles away from the town of Moray. Uh, he was able to make cast of these tracks and as well found a nearby, a nearly identical set of tracks that had religiously been casted in 1979. Wow. So he has two... And I watch that guy's YouTube videos mm-hmm. or YouTube videos about him. Yeah. And he seems to be, to me, pretty on on par i didn't look into him so if there's some controversy with him i'm sorry right yeah uh but from the little thing i seen about him last night Just, seemed fine yeah legit seemed like researcher he, i guess yeah seemed like he cared what he was looking into mm-hmm. and took it seriously mm-hmm. um the queensland farmer i can pronounce that one i watched a tv show from there <laughs> uh at some points in the 2000s a farmer in central queensland is reported to have found a cluster of unusual bones on his property he believed it must have been a uh, significant discovery, and he gifted the bones to the University of uh, Bristol, Bris, Brisbane, Bristlebane, something like that. Something like that. <laughs> Can you do an Australian accent? Oi, um, I don't know, crikey. What's, I guess if you go full Steve Irwin. Yeah, what's Steve Irwin say? That's my best go-to. Isn't she a little beauty? Yeah. A little, uh, yeah. I, my favorite thing. I love Steve Irwin. Nobody take it. I'm making fun of him. He is probably the most important biological character in my life. Yeah. But my favorite thing about Steve Irwin ever was how he would just be like, this is the Black Mumba, yeah, also known as the 12-step snake. If it bites you, you will die. It is known for its aggressiveness. Most snakes aren't. This one is. I'm going to go pick it up. <laughs> exactly. And his whole thing was showing you that these are not monsters. Right. They're you just know, creatures. Yeah, they're, just, they're animals. They yeah. exist, and they f- live, and they breathe, and they feel. And that was his whole thing of why he did that stuff. And most mm-hmm. people thought, oh, that guy's stupid. Crazy. He's going to kill himself. Yeah. yeah. But it was the point. That was right. the point of showing you these aren't monsters. Very. These aren't coming into your bed at night to get you. Like, Did you ever see the South Park episode where they did of him? Yes, it was horrible. But very funny. Yes. All right, so anyways, he found these bones, gifted them to the, or the university. Allegedly, the bones were quickly uh, determined to be a megalania carcass. Hmm. But the discovery was supposedly hushed up soon after it had been reported. This supposedly had been the creature's bones that were dated back to more, more than 300 years old. Uh, a startling discovery. The Smithsonian then swooped in oh. and sent them back to the U.S. No, it does not say that, does it? No. I was going to say, I was gonna, there's no way... But university is involved. Academia is I'm involved. I can hear this sounding going. Bones? You got some bones or something big over there? Yeah. I love the smell of bones. That's how they probably are. I like to think that's how they are in my head. I got a spot in the basement. 
Yeah. At the box, it's marked Big Lizard. And no one will ever see it again. Mm-hmm. Except for me. I eat them. <laughs> I ate them or ate them? I eat them. Okay, okay. That's how I picture the Sonian now. <laughs> yeah, that's, all that, that's what they're doing. They're all right, so you may ask me, Justin. <laughs> you may, you may ask me. I can? Uh, how could a creature, if this thing is existing, okay? Okay. It would have to be existing in very low numbers. How could a creature like this find mates and not be caught or found? Ask me that. Oh. Well, I had a question. How can a yes. creature this size mm-hmm. have mates and not be found? Perfect. Thank you, Jay. What a smart, insightful question. <laughs> so there's, there's, especially monitor lizards, especially in the genus of Komodo's dragons and the genus of Megalania. They have a really cool little trick to get rid of, or get around when populations get low and you can't find a mate. Oh no! Poly, or, oh, so I'm gonna say say this right. Pathogenous, pathogenous, geniusists. Hmm. I can't say it right. <laughs> it means the females are able to lay clone eggs. Okay. Oh, they just clone their own DNA. Yep. If they can't find a mate and times are tough, they will clone their own DNA. And oh wow, and make a viable offspring. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, uh, we know Komodo dragons actually do it in zoos. It's actually kind of getting to be a problem. Why is that? Because they're not purposely breeding Komodo dragons, but females are laying eggs that are fertile. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, so there's no male. Right. There, she's never been with a male. Like, that's happened a couple times. You look at virgin birth lizard. Is it? Why is it a problem, though? They just don't know where for them to go. Komodo dragons need very specific facilities, and a lot of zoos can't handle them. Mm, gotcha. So you got to have space for them. You can't just, like, dump them out in the ocean, the eggs. Well... We really frowned upon dumping critically endangered lizards' mm. eggs in the ocean. What is big catapult? These aren't bearded dragons. Big catapult, wherever they land, they so land. They, they're, they're kind of having some issues with some of these eggs. Gotcha. Hmm. But yeah, so once again, this is based off Komodo dragons looking at Megalania. Uh, that this species could genetically be able to clone itself long enough. So if you're saying it's not seeing males maybe, you know, once in its lifetime. Right, yeah. So it could breed with the male, produce a batch then, and then its later clutches could all be genetic clones, and they're able to breed with that first set of offspring and still have genetic viability. Oh, really? Yes. Now, can a clone clone itself? Uh, I don't... I'm not sure how that works. I don't think we really know. Interesting. Because you're talking about a very long-lived lizard. Right, yeah. And a very rare events. I don't know if it'd be like that movie Multiplicity, where the clone, he clones himself, and the clone clones himself, mm. and the clone clones himself, and it has all these problems. The last one does. Oh, yeah, so it will, it will. It, you can't do it forever. Right, yeah. And the other the other really big problem with cloning for these guys is uh, disease, which we talked about with other Australian fauna. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you die from a disease, it means all of your clones are susceptible to that same disease at the same oh, level. Oh, yeah, it's the same creature, basically. Yes. Huh. Yeah, that's not good. It's This is just to survive extinction. Right, yeah, just to keep going a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Just until... Hopefully your daughters can find a mate. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I didn't know that was a real, even like, you know, besides in the ocean, I know about things like budding and splitting, but not like laying an egg. With Whole your, clutch, yeah. They're yeah. normally not as big as normal clutches, too. Mm-hmm. So it really just seems to be that last-ditch effort of the body being like, okay, I'm getting ready, I'm getting old, right? and I haven't found a viable male, so I'm going to make sure I'm still here to find a viable male. Mm. So it, you know, it creates a clone. Right. It's yeah. very unique, and monitor. As far as you know, Komodo dragons do it. Uh, we think uh, some other species of monitor lizard can do it, and we're going to assume Megalania can do it. 
So you could have, depending on how many generations of clones or how few males there actually are, mm -hmm. you could have a really widespread population and not have a lot of animals. I could see that. Hmm. That's just kind of, it's my mind's still blown that it's cloning itself and laying eggs that are just like fertile. The, yeah. It, it's, 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 they're it very unique. Make, it's yeah. very unique. My mind, I'm like literally scratching my head trying to figure out how that even works. And so something we've kind of been dancing around this whole episode is the Komodo dragon aspect. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times doing this art, doing this episode research and stuff, they say it's just Komodo dragons people are seeing. Yeah. And I thought I was wrong, which happens. I'm wrong. It happens. Sometimes. This time, I'm like, I didn't think I was. I know a lot about Komodo dragons. I really enjoy the species. But it kept saying, like, oh, it's just Komodo dragons people are seeing stuff. And I'm like, they're not native to Australia. And they're not that big. Well, mm, yeah. Mm. Yeah, well. But people keep talking about, like, they're just people are seeing Komodo dragons. I looked it up. They've not been historically ever found on Australia. They're in the New Guinea, you know, New Guinea Islands mm -hmm. and stuff, uh, and their their natural range right now was like three little tips of islands. They are not; they are almost extinct. Okay, they are not doing well. So, are they even in like the mainland Australia at all? No, not at That's all. That's the whole point. Yeah, and we're talking that the other side of the continent they're being seen on. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I see the picture you're painting. So these islands are on top of Australia. Mm -hmm. So sure, they get swim to the mainland every once in a while. You get one. I get that. They're not being seen there. They're being seen in the southern twenty four hundred miles away on the other side of a continent. Yeah. So if you swim through the ocean and you work at the coastline, that's six seven thousand miles. Yeah, that's at a, the minimum. That's a long range. You walk through the middle, the middle of Australia is almost inhabitable. Yeah, unless you're, you're a desert specialist. I was say you're gonna die. There are species that live there. Really? Obviously, a lot of animals live there. Super desert specialist. Any tortoise dragons? Yes. Tortoises. Uh, Komodo dragons and where we're going to say Megalania are more generalist. Yeah, they can pop in the desert for a couple days and come back. Mm -hmm. They can't live there. Right. They can't stay there. Right. Huh. They can go and then venture and come back. Hmm. But they need water. They need to come back and get them a great white shark from time to time. Every once in a while. You know, yeah. you need some shrimp on the barbie. There you go. Ah, nice Australian reference. Mm -hmm. That was good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's horrible. Um, but yeah. <laughs> So oh, God. it's so weird. It's like we talked about earlier, you know, saying, you know, I seen an elephant in the Great Lake and somebody else like, no, it's just a hippo. Yeah. 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 In the Great Lake. Like what? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. If you're seeing Komodo dragons or you're seeing Megalena, neither one's supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. So why, what are you seeing? It doesn't matter. You're seeing a really big lizard. Uh, so I did promise you a sighting and it was from the last six months. It didn't give a hard date. Okay. Uh, that's a couple scene, a big lizard walk right past them, go up the mountain in the Australian, right on the edge of the Australian rainforest. Oh, okay. Which is where? We'll get to that. Okay. Hold on. You know, that's, that's the cherry I have for oh, you. I can't wait. Um, but yeah, so, and they were like, it was the biggest, you know, it was the biggest lizard we've seen Quincy monitors and we've seen that kind of stuff, which are other monitor species. Mm -hmm. This was not them. It was solid Brown. It was very, very large. They said, you know, roughly 14 to 15 feet, which is not big by the settings we're being... Right. But still, it's bigger than anything on the continent. Yeah, it's a big lizard still. And it walked right past them and seemed not care they were there. Hmm, that's interesting. And they said it looked just like a Komodo dragon. Okay. So, I mean, there's a chance it could be a Komodo dragon. It's one of the two. Yeah. So, let's look at that. We talked about it off air. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, 
Oh my gosh, now I just blinked on my own word. What? Phenotypes. Phenotypes, there you go. So a some people believe that Komodo dragons and Megalania are the same species. You just have the island version, and you have the mainland version. Island that, being Komodo. Yes, and then the mainland version being Megalania, mm-hmm. the bigger, bulkier lizard. Some people think if you introduced Komodo dragons to the mainland, they just get that big after a couple generations. They just grow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which some species we talked about have phenotypic variants in the species, mm-hmm. where the species will take advantage of different niches. Wherever their environment is yes. that they're at, yeah. So like uh, long-eared sunfish, for example, here in Ohio, they can be very, very large males and very, very small males mm-hmm. come from the same parent. Right. Phenotypes. Yes, phenotypes. Amazing. Right. So there's that chance that it doesn't matter, that the Komodo dragons are actually swimming from the island and starting to take back their ancient habitats if they are if they are the same species as Megalania. Right, yeah, yeah. They're starting to take back their hmm. traditional habitats and ranges. It's fine, you know. We're assuming uh, a lot of... We think they went extinct due to people. I could see that. That seems to be the thing for a lot of things going extinct. And there's a, you know, one of the, so anything with that with the Komodo dragons being the same species of Mangalania. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything with that? Uh, it seems very plausible. I mean, why not? They're both inhabiting the same areas. They're both being described as the same thing. The only difference is one's just on steroids basically as the other one so komodo dragons are still the biggest lizard alive today right yeah and megalania was the biggest lizard to ever exist okay there's not many lizards bigger than ever in between Mm -hmm. so if maybe if it's not the same exact creature which very well could be it could be just a offshoot or a descendant we know they're very genetically close right yeah we know that they we right now the most conventional understanding is that they're one basically one like uh how do i want to say it one branch off of each other, so they okay. came from the same parent species. I mean, we don't know if they all lived in Australia, and then a tidal wave washed them up on those islands, and that's where they've been the rest Very of their... Very good swimmers. Uh, it makes sense. It doesn't matter which way they started, mm-hmm. from the islands to Australia or the Australia to the islands. Mm-hmm. It's not that big of a distance. Right, yeah. And they're very comfortable swimmers. Which is pretty cool. I might have to look up a video of one of them swimming. Komodo I've dragons. seen a video of a Komodo dragon coming out swimming and then immediately running, attacking a deer from the ocean. <laughs> oh my gosh! He's probably been swimming. I think the guy said he's been swimming for like sixty miles. And wow! He got out and just ran and killed a deer. That's nuts. Yeah, they're violent, aren't they? They are very uh, survival driven. This is a species that we th- we don't have a lot of biological history on. We think they're either really young or really old. Yeah, so we don't even know much about them mm-hmm. in general, huh? So we think they may, there's some, that's not, it's weird. There's some weird evidence that may suggest they're from the Jurassic period and they're uh, mass extinction survivors. Okay. And they just keep piling through. Well, yeah, if you can uh So a mass yourself. extinction survivor. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. So people act like there's not prey sources, there's not resources available because all the megafauna went extinct for the Komodo dragon, or for the megalania on the mainland Australia. Mm-hmm. What other animal? In Australia, it gets 20 feet long and 3,000 pounds. It's a reptile that still exists to this day in great numbers. Crocodiles. Crocodiles. Yep. They're the same animal. They eat the same stuff. They're the same niche. We think Komodo dragons probably have, or not Komodo dragons, the Megalania probably have just as much of a slow digestion as Komodo dragons could. See, if you, in a survival mode, you eat two big meals a year. You're good for a while. You're good. You yeah. could eat two, you could survive on two meals a year. Wow. Crocodiles do that in Australia. Half the year, they're buried in the bottom of these dry rivers in the mud. Yeah. Just waiting. Hmm, lurking. 
And it's weird to me that people talk about that aspect of it. Like, they can't survive because of the food they need and stuff like that. No, you still have a reptile there that's the exact same niche doing the exact same thing mm-hmm. in mass numbers in some areas. And when when you're told, like, something's not supposed to be there or exist, you'll create any excuse in your mind to confirm that, you know, exactly. if you don't want to yeah. believe it. So it makes sense when you're just not aware. You probably are aware. People are aware that crocodiles only eat twice a year. But when you're told, like, this thing doesn't exist. Yeah, they don't know only eat twice a year. They right, can they survive can. Right, on they, twice a year. They can. Well, they have to. Right, exactly. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. I, know. I know. I'm t- clarifying for people at home. Gotcha. That somebody's going to comment and be like, they eat more than twice a year. They feed them at the zoo every Thursday. I know. And they'll come pick at our house with mm-hmm. torches and whatnot. But, yeah, I mean, I see that all the time, though. Just people, you'll create that own bias, I guess. Is that yes. what it would be called? There yeah, I agree. All right. And it's just weird to me. So the other, the last big question I have for you to ask me, oh, if anybody hasn't picked up that at home, I'm so inspired. I started doing that. Uh, I'm going to tell you everybody at home who I ripped that bit from. It's from old uh, last podcast on the left, which is like one of the biggest podcasts in the U.S. Oh, okay. And the one guy Marcus like runs everything, and he has the other two guys with him, and he always like. Now the real question is blah blah blah, and then the, Ben would always be like, "Well, Marcus, blah blah blah." <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. It just made me. It just something I like. That's funny. Um, but where would they be hiding? Because the thing that they have that crocodiles mm-hmm. don't is they are mostly, we're going to say, Megalania were mostly terrestrial with aquatic abilities. Okay. And we're going to say the opposite for crocodiles. Mostly aquatic with terrestrial capabilities. Okay. I'd agree. So where are they hiding? They dig. Oh, wait. So where are they hiding? Where would, where would a creature of such size hide all this time? I'm glad you asked, and it is such an easy answer. Australia has the most unresearched rainforest in the world. Hmm. We know less about this rainforest than we do about the deep ocean. Oh, really? Okay, there's a mystery right there. Uh, it's extremely no. It's not that's not a mystery. It's an extremely old rainforest. It's extremely dense. Yeah. Everything is venomous. Well, I mean, it's a mystery what's inside there. Right. Okay. I thought you meant it's a mystery why we're not researching it. Yeah. No, it's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so there's no population near it. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a rainforest. Basically, imagine a rainforest in the middle of the impenetrable desert. Mm-hmm. But it's also an impenetrable rainforest. Right. And every animal in that rainforest can kill you. Right. Well, it's venomous or something. Wants to kill you. Right. Exactly. It's probably giant spiders so and stuff. So most biologists were just like, yeah. it's not worth it. Right. Because, I mean, even if you get bit by the venomous animals you know about, you're not near anything for help. Right, exactly. You're going to die. You're stuck out there. And there are people that backpack in it. It has tons and tons of disappearances. Hmm. Uh, people blame it on everything. I've heard everything from giant birds to uh, dingoes to megalania, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's an, it's the it's the real lost world. This is the things we should be creating drones for. I don't know if you could do it. It's always stormy. It's a very weird rainforest. Hmm. And I actually have a map for you because I've been starting to do that for you so you can get better pictures of what I'm talking about. Okay. Is it like the land of the lost? Oh, well, the map didn't bring because I don't have black ink. So I'll show you. Uh, I'll show you personally where. So this is the rainforest specifically we're talking about. Yeah. Komodo dragons are all the way up here. Northern side. So, yeah. If you're looking at Australia, oh, well, you guys pull up a map. The very tip, what they call the crown of Australia... The top, the northern the, tip. Yep, with the inland sea. That's the islands above that are where Komodo dragons are. Mm. If you go all the way to the bottom and all the way west, west, there's a big black patch. That's all rainforest. Interesting. There's no populations. Down there. Yeah. 
Huh. They've never been They're also a rainforest all over this side, all over up here. This is the desert belt, though. Yep, I did know that. The whole middle is a big desert, from what I understand. Never been there. Would like to go sometime. But I don't think I'm going to go there looking for Megalania. I'll pass on that. It's So you have, and we're going to talk about this forest still, uh, an untouched Garden of Eden. Yeah. Where ancient monsters could still be. Mm-hmm. And they are all kinds of Australian people look at this. There's a guy doing yaoi research in there right now. In the in the forest? Yeah, in the very edge. Okay. Because he's like, this is as far as we can make it in. Yeah. And so yaoi is the Australian Bigfoot, kind of. Mm-hmm. We'll say kind of. Um, but they're having, ev- they're, they're having evidence, but they can't. It's so hard because they're having cameras disappear. And the one guy, he was a yaoi researcher, said he had a Megalania come through camp and eat all their cameras. Oh, wow. Which I can see. It smells weird. I think they're big, mostly big scavengers. They're not going to pass up food. Right, yeah. They've never smelled a camera before. It's different, so this might be edible. Right, yeah. But he's Whoa. like, they were like pulled, they were like ripped off the trees and you can see like claw marks. Because Komodo dragons will mark kind of like deer. If anybody at home has seen deer rubs, mm-hmm. Komodo dragons will these giant scrape marks. Oh, okay. So we're going to assume Megalania can because that's all we can do. Right, yeah. If we're just assuming they're yeah. one, not one in the same, close. but very close, yeah. But yeah, so this forest, I got some just stats for you if I can find them. Let's okay. See. But yeah, there's little like canopy tours and stuff like that you can do. Uh, so North Queensland is the exact opposite side of the big rainforest, and there's a giant rainforest there too. Okay. And these are not researched areas. Uh, and it's just because the Australian rainforest is probably the, one of the deadliest places on the planet. Interesting. Yeah, that'd be cool to check out. Or just see a documentary on someone, like, getting in there, you Mm -hmm. know? I'm looking. I'm just trying to read. You keep talking. Well, this whole forest thing kind of has my interest peaked because you think you would hear. You hear about the Amazonian rainforest and stuff like that and all the things that are in there. We've explored it. Yeah, sure. But The Amazonian rainforest is a lot newer of a rainforest. And when we talk about Mm -hmm. rainforest, it's very, very young. Right. Uh, It's most likely mostly man-made. Yeah, which is a cool story. Um, but literally, the uh, so the South American rainforest, the Amazon, is what creates the weather, well, the biggest part of the weather for Africa, the okay. big belt of Africa. And that's why the cutting down of the rainforest is literally causing so many droughts in Africa mm. because the precipitation that the Amazon rainforest produces goes straight over the Atlantic Ocean to these areas in Africa. Mm-hmm. And now they're not getting anymore because the rainforest is like tiny. Getting chopped down or whatever. Burnt. Then you got your forest up in like Siberia and Russia that's like they, completely unexplored and yeah, but they don't yeah they're they're a little different. Well, yeah, the I, permafrost forest, but it's just these remote areas in, uh, intrigue me. So and then a thing with the rainforest aspect, I got a little blurb for you, but there's a big argument within the Megalania and paleontologists mm-hmm. that look into this that it was a grassland creature versus a rainforest creature. Okay. Because its size, you know, you don't really have something that big living in a rainforest. Right. But it's also very low to the ground, and it's a mild lizard. It's taking access to waterways. It's eating snakes. Mm-hmm. This thing loves probably eating snakes, because mild lizards love eating snakes. Okay. It don't matter how big you get. Still love snakes. Snakes are like spaghetti. Mm. Okay, so Australian has, Australia has many types of rainforest. Uh, varying with rainfall and latitude, tropical and subtropical are found in the northern and eastern uh, Australia in the wet coastal areas. Warm, temperate rainforests grow in the south or New South Wales and Victoria. 
and cool temperate rainforests grow in south or found in Victoria and Tasmania in small areas with high altitude. But yeah, they have, mm. and then there's dry rainforest and sub, and, and there's uh, coastal rainforest and subcoastal rainforest. And there's monsoon rainforest. So they got like every rainforest in the book I, there. I don't think there's any types of rainforest that aren't found in Australia. <laughs> it sounds like it. And these areas are just, they're impossible to study. As of now, mm-hmm. they're just, nobody, not impossible, not impossible. Nobody is taking the risk. There you go. And I don't blame them. No, not one bit. <laughs> but yeah. So now it's free talk at Megalania. I hope this wasn't too boring of an episode. I know it was a lot of reading. No, it's uh, interesting, it, especially because it's, a documented real creature, I guess, if you yes. put it that way. Yes. And there's still, like, signs and weird things about it being around. There's one thing I did forget. Uh, so the Aborigines, the hunting party Aborigines, they never had fires at night. Mm. I know I've told you this story yep. with them. Uh, they never had fires at night. And the big reason for this is they would say the Megalania would come at night and eat you and then take all the fire and spread it out. And lay on the coals. Stay warm all night. And it's, that's kind of a weird thing. So Komodo dragons basically go neotonic at night. Okay. Not neotonic. Uh, oh, gosh. What's that word? Neotonic salamanders. Oh. Uh, basically, they fall asleep. Catatonic. Catatonic. Like they go into a coma? Yes. Okay. They turn off. Yeah. Because nothing bugs them at night. Mm-hmm. Literally, I was watching videos of people putting tracking vests on Komodo dragons, and they would just wait for them to fall asleep, and then they pick up their big fat legs, and they'd put a little backpack on them. Holy crap. And it's just like, you're really confident they don't wake up. <laughs> exactly, yeah. The first guy probably walked up to one and started kicking it. Yeah. And then poking he, it with a stick. And he's like, I, he's like, Phil, do you think these things are smart enough to play dead? Or do you think it's actually asleep? Let's get the intern. Yeah, yeah. Let's have hey, strap a backpack. Hey, George. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 he's asleep. He's a, he's a catatonic. Yeah, he's catatonic. Put the backpack on him. And George survived. And George's like, okay. It's growling a lot. Is it is it weird? Their eyes are open? Yeah, they don't got eyelids. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. You seem to be looking into my soul and salivating. Well. Ah, just just hurry up. I, I, it worked, obviously. The sun's coming up. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So it's just, do you think they're still around? Yeah. I'm going to say that probably. Have I convinced you? I would say, yeah. I, well... I won't rule it out. I'd rather I'd I'd say I'd rather lean toward it still being around than being completely gone. And what these people are seeing is just another Komodo dragon. This is for me one of the few cryptids I look at. I'm a hundred percent sure they're There's, still out there. Mm-hmm. I and the place they would be is Australia. It's like Siberia for Bigfoot. There you go. Yeah. Well, yeah. There you go. It's good. That's a good comparison. Or the Pacific Northwest, whatever. You know, these just mass massive rainforest. That people don't live in. Exactly. And I'm all the sightings and stuff, you said they were sighted around the southern part of the continent. They're pretty much, yeah, they're pretty much sighted right around the coast layers where all these rainforests are. Are, exactly. And, and which is the opposite side of where Komodo dragons are yeah. living. So, And it could be people seeing Komodo dragons. That's still weird. That's one heck of a trek. That's still something to look into. Right, yeah. Yeah. And... If you, if you, if I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people just using Komodo dragons as an excuse. But where are the Komodo dragons? Why, you, why aren't people finding the Komodo dragons? If oh, you're saying gotcha. that all these things are Komodo dragons, then why, where are they? Why aren't you finding the Komodo dragons? It's it's another big lizard. Right. It shouldn't yeah. be that hard if you're saying it's just Komodo dragons. Right. There's not one time you've seen a cop with the one in the back of the car like I got him. Right. 
Yeah. And then, yeah, buried it and, or burned it and buried it. And Oh, no, he took it to the Animal Society and then they... Uh, there you go, incinerated it. Incinerated it. Or he took it to the Smithsonian. Uh, nobody takes anything to the Smithsonian. Oh, yeah, they come and take it. Like, that's really cool you found that. That's, that's ours. ours. <laughs> we need to study... Oh, thank you for don your con your you know, your generous donation this morning. I'm actually keeping this. Thank you for your donation. You're not. You're Click. not. Here's the feds. They're the, going to tell oh, that, you that this is actually public domain. This is where you need that shotgun uh, sound effect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Bullets are cheap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but you got a pretty wife over there. A lot cheaper. If she ended up in the Smithsonian too. Yeah. <laughs> Bullets a lot cheaper than than bones. In the in the primate bin. Yeah, exactly. We'll glue her jawbone to a. A monkey head. <laughs> so yes, any other thoughts for the Megalania? Um, no, I believe I believe yeah. I, on Real this world one. dragons. Re oh, yeah, I guess so. Why do they call Komodo dragons dragons? Because they're dragons. Hmm. What? They drag in their tail? They do drag their tail. Ah, that's why. Uh, no, because they're actually dragons. Okay, gotcha. They don't spit fire. They spit venom. They don't spit venom, but they they Secrete. have a spite and the. The fire thing is very new for yeah, Dragon Lord. Yeah, I know. I just wanted to be uh I'm just trying to figure this out. No, really, dragons are just big lizards. Okay. Understood. But Mag yeah. Megalania is the biggest, the biggest one, yeah. The biggest buffest one. We'll have to get some art made of a Megalania fighting a Komodo. That wouldn't be art, that'd be a Megalania swallowing a Komodo. Oh, okay. Alright. I have been the great and powerful mystery, the Megalania loving maniac. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. I've been Jay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, together we've been Chris of the Coin Podcast where magical thinking, or where science and magical thinking combined. All right, we'll catch you next week. You've been listening to Cryptids of the Corn. Be sure to join us in the next episode where we tantalize your intellect and expand the horizons of your mind. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, stay magical.